And I think I'm telling you, when I moved there, I had a friend who had a ranch. She bought a ranch on the other side of San Bernardino, so she in Mexico. Well, we went down to look at it. We just jumped back and forth through the barbed wire fence to go in and out, in and out. It's like if you're looking at plants. Oh, wait, there's a plant on the other side of that board. It's in Mexico. Yeah, it's just crack you up. It's so sweet. I'm in Mexico. I'm going back and forth. And, uh, you know, and there was always the history. Of course, workers came through and people expected them to come through. I don't know how it all went to hell and became such a, a dreadful, angry, hateful thing. You've always taken such charge. You are listening to the Border Chronicle. Welcome to the Border Chronicle podcast. I am Todd Miller, who, along with um, Melissa Del Bosque, we run the Border Chronicle, and you can find pieces by us every Tuesday and Thursday at theborderchronicle.com. Um, today, I have with me um, P.D. Mesquiti, and P.D. hails from the borderlands of southern Arizona. I have been listening to his show, um, Growing Native, on KXCI which is a local Tucson community um, radio station for, I think it's been about since the late 1990s. I've been listening to um, PD talk about the borderlands. And so it is, um, he's a naturalist and he lives, he lives uh, close to the border in Cochise County. And I'm very, very happy to have him here with me today. So thanks for being here, PD. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Nice to be here for sure. You had it in this. So yeah, good to be here. Thank you. And the first question I want to ask you, PD, is in in many of your shows you talk about how the borderlands are beautiful. Yeah. And I and that's my first question to you today. Yeah. Why are the borderlands beautiful? Well, they're diverse. And, and I'm speaking to you oh, oh, for, from culturally, too, of course. But you know, my, my, my interest over the last 40-some-odd years was horticulture. And that led me, when, when you're into plants, native plants, well, you take in everything else. But So to find native plants, you get out into the, into the wild, I tell people. But they're beautiful because they're diverse. I mean, you go from saguaros to oak woodland, uh, um, in the Sky Islands, uh, you end up in coniferous forest. So, and this is all right on the border. I mean, on either side. When I moved to Arizona, that was a barbed wire fence, right? And now it's just madness. But, but my point being that it used to be you could just slip in between the wire and it was in pursuit of seed or chasing, glassing a bird. And, and it was just magical and it still is magical. And it is beautiful because, well, if you're into, birding or plants or any of those things, of course it's beautiful. It's almost a, well, of course it's beautiful. It slaps someone up. Of course that's beautiful <laughs> because it's just, it's so diverse in vegetation and, and, uh, and flora and fauna. That's what it is, you know. And I love just ending like that. I, I used to say, well, the desert is beautiful at the end of my show, and I still do. But I wanted people to think of the desert as a metaphor for all of it. And then I thought, well, the borderlands is a nice, takes it all in. 
takes in the Saguaros, it takes in the Oak Rivers. I mean, you can drive to Nogales from here, from Saguaros, and all of a sudden you're in, in the Oak Territory. You know, it's really remarkable. I think it's an amazing place where you can get in your truck or car or bicycle and change habitat, a biome, pretty quickly. And I think that's really magical, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. You, you take walks, right, like every morning. Oh, around our place. I think that was part of the reason we moved there. We wanted to live someplace where we got up in the morning. It wasn't uh, five new homes on an acre going in. Um, and so we were hiding. There's no getting around it. We were, I used to joke and tell people, we're, we're refugees of Tucson, you know, because we, we went out there to Cochise County. But, um, yeah, uh, and for years and years, uh, even though it's private land, we could walk along the Oahalote and, and the and spend time there, you know, and I just found, so I'm looking at plants, but all of a sudden, well, wait, there are butterflies, you know, laying their eggs in this plant, or there's there's this bird, or there's this porcupine, and then it just all, you know, just, whoa, there's so much life going on here, and so you see that on your walks, and, and uh, you know, to me, there was a magic, I'll tell you one thing, is uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in Kentucky. And so coming to the Southwest, I just came out because I'd read some Jack Kerouac and I thought it'd be quite the adventure to come to Tucson. And the application took a few minutes to come to U of A. And uh, That's the University of Arizona, right? Yeah. And I that's cool. This will be an adventure. But where I grew up as a kid, I was in, there were box turtles. And I just loved them. So here I am. I moved my family to Cochise County. It was the first wild creature I seen. A Western box turtle, like, oh yeah, <laughs> I am so lucky. This is what a beautiful circuitous route, you know, to get back to box turtles. So, just something that happens out there and just makes it beautiful. Yeah. What? So what? When? So moving from Kentucky, what was it about? I mean, obviously the box turtle, but also, but what was it about um, uh, Southern Arizona that? Oh, well, when I got here, I was just, in, I, I was started immediately applying to other colleges. I said, what have I done? It's like Lizard City, dust capital of the world. It's like, you know, it, I was just in shock. Listen, the, um, it was hard. It was hard. It took me a while. And, um, and actually it was college that sort of turned me on to, um, the beauty around here. And, um, you know, I'm in a dormitory. I couldn't even pronounce the name, Kaibabwachuka. I said, well, how the hell do you say that? And I was in shock, you know. I got off the airplane because I was into these adventurous type things, and I, and I applied. But at some point, I started going to the desert, and I, I, I didn't have a major, so I wandered into wildlife biology classes. And, you know, in a desert, Sonoran Desert, I mean, you want to, you talk about magical. You know, Solaros are magical. And I've never forgotten that. And I don't want other people to confuse it because I'm out near the Oaks. But man, the Sonoran Desert is to die for. <laughs> that may be what it takes to save it. But uh, yeah, that's what it was. I, I When I got here, I was like, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> what have I done? And then, you know, about a few months in, I'm going, oh my God. You know, hey, dude, open up your brain. Smoke some pot, get stoned, love this place, you know, you know, open up the mind. And uh, I used to tell people, expand your mind. And, uh, native plants expand your mind. I used to rant to people, and they do. 
And uh, so, yeah, I, I best thing I ever did was apply and end up out here. And I tell this to everybody, and so I'll say it today. But in Kentucky, the horizon is only from one year to the next year. <laughs> and, and in Arizona, it's as far as you can see. You know, and if that isn't magical, if that doesn't make your gut sort of turn, then something wrong. You know? So pretty cool. And so now have you, so you lived in Tucson, but then you moved out to pretty much the borderlands, right? In Cochise County. That's very yeah. close to the U.S.-Mexico border. 40 miles away uh, from Douglas, which was a marvelous town, you know, an old town that was founded on, well, the mining was the big money there. But yeah, I started going there for a dentist, and then uh, we loved a big grocery store that was there, now closed. Uh, but yeah, and it was like a straight shot, you know, an hour down and right on the border. And, and you know, and you're in a different culture. I mean, it's like it's, it's like a little border town. It's beautiful. It's exciting there to be a, a gringo. And uh, I just smart walk around. You know, I think I just walk around. Who's that white guy walking around with that smile on his face? Because it, I just love being in that culture. It's something that you can drive 40 miles and be in almost another world. Uh, and people uh, living that way. And... Uh, and, then, and I'm just talking a border town. I'm not going to Mexico. I mean, so I'm easily excited. But I thought there was something there. And the, you can drive in the beautiful desert. I mean, over outside Douglas, you're in Chihuahuan Desert. So here in, in Tucson, you're in Sonoran Desert. You go out to Douglas, you're in this magnificent Chihuahuan Desert. Go up out of those places into woodland and up, up into the Sky Islands. You, so it's everything I said before. It's just like magical. Could you tell people what the Sky Islands are? I'm sure a lot of our li- I mean, some yeah. of our listeners are going to know. They're from yeah. around here, but some of them are won't. Yeah, it's a great expression uh, coined by some uh, plant geek, I think. But but you know, here are these isolated. You know, here you come out of the desert, and here are these peaks that go up to seven, eight thousand feet in elevation with their whole these whole biomes. And you know, you and you follow. Oh, actually, one of my first lessons in wildlife biology. And uh, uh, and by the way, I dropped out of college, so I'm, I'm re- a big. I don't know if it was a mistake or not, but this is what I learned. If in Tucson, if you go from the Sonoran Desert, you go through these biotic communities. You can't do that in Kentucky. <laughs> You'd have to drive all the way to Maine to still be the same boring <laughs> biotic community. But uh, in Tucson, in Cochise County. In Sky Islands, you just go up to these different biotic communities, and they're isolated. And the only way you can get to them, well, there's no way to get to them. I mean, they're up there at 8,000 feet in elevation, and there are places where there are only a certain species exists of a plant or a, an animal. Only exists because it is an island. And in the in the phrase Sky Island certainly gets, oh, all the wonderful phrases get overused and hammered, but, you know, it's a beautiful phrase. You know, it really is an island up there, and... Uh, they're well worth going to. And, and the season is different. That's what's so cool, too. Like, also you're dying in the summer heat, and, and you go up, and it's cool. But it's more than that. The, the plants are different. And in the, in the late summer, at the high elevations, that's the big boom. It's like spring up there. You know, everything's blooming in, in August. That's when you should visit uh, seven, 8,000 feet in elevation. So they are islands. They're isolated. And they go deep into Mexico. There are these islands that come, these sky islands, march up to southern Arizona. At some point, you know, you're up into it. It changes. But different different flora, different fauna. 
isolated on peaks. It's a beautiful name, and I know people overuse it, but it, it's a beautiful name for that area, that kind of thing. I like that name a lot, personally. Yeah, Sky it, Island, it, yeah. has, it evokes a really kind of beautiful image. I think it does, too. I agree. I, I think, yeah, it makes so much sense to me. And if you just think about it, and again, I tell people, oh, you, just, you, you could go up, I love the old guy. I used to love to drive up to Mount Lemon, stop at Molino Basin, stop at the prison camp, you know, just march your way up see all this different stuff happening. Pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, could you, like, along these lines, do you have any walk through, like, say, where you live, around where you live, um, that is memorable? Like, something happened? Like, what is the most memorable walk that you've had through this, through these landscapes? You know, I, I, I'm a hunter. I, I used to deer hunt. I, I couldn't wait. When I was in the band business, music business in the 1970s, I couldn't wait. But at the end of it, I said, now I can get back to getting out and hunting. And what part of the hunting was that I was out and about, and there were these adventures. Um, so I was always out. I would interact with a bear. or a, These aren't things you shoot, not me. Um, so I'm trying to think of what... what so I was out... I have these encounters. Let me see if I can think of something. Or Meredith and I, my wife, who I refer to as Ms. Mosquiti. Well, once we were hiking, you know, when we get out, once a week, this will save a marriage. <laughs> once a week we go to the hills. And we could have a bad day. We could have had a, a fight. And we go to the hills together and, and puts us back together. And once we were out, and we heard, uh, we were walking just low in, in the woodland in the, in the Chiricahuas, and we heard rocks being tumbled over. I said, what is that? And I thought, it's got to be a bear turning over rocks. And so we stood in the trail, and we heard these rocks, and all of a sudden a black bear comes out. <laughs> and she comes out, and she's got an adolescent, not a cub, but an adolescent with her. And they've been overturning rocks and looking for beetles and whatever's under a rock. You know, they, bears are so cool that way. And uh, it looks at us, and we look at it, and she backs up to a pine tree as it's going up, and then scratching her back and looking at us. And we're, Oh my God! You, know, you put your binoculars on. You you got your binoculars. So somebody that's fifty yards away, you put your binoculars on. You go, whoa! You leap backwards because you think it's on top of you. But yeah, that kind of encounter uh, where we weren't afraid or anything, and we just thought it was it, it was a rush, and it was just, we just were in awe, and it wasn't a fear. We just felt privileged that this happened. And you know, there are people. Who, Probably see it all the time, or while I follow this and hear it. But I, I just so sometimes that I am every man, I am common man. <laughs> I still get excited about these things. Um, recently, we okay, I'll just tell you. Recently, we, we I love that creature called the Quatamundi. Oh, yeah. Could you describe what a Quatamundi oh, is? Oh, they look when you first see one and you've never seen one, you're going, There's a primate in the woods because <laughs> it's got this long striped tail, it looks like a cross between a raccoon and a, and a monkey of some sort. And and the adolescents and the females are in these groups. Lone males come in simply to to breed. I used to joke and tell them, that's the perfect life for you guys. And uh, but the lone males 
will come in, and they're big groups, 25, sometimes 25, 30. Typically, we see a dozen or so, 15. You spend a lot of time trying to count them, and they're moving. They're in a tree, they're in the ground. They've got a long nose, they root around, they scratch with their feet. I always think they're like a, a combination of a raccoon um, and a monkey. A monkey. And a, and a kind of a, what is it, the anteater? The anteater, that yeah. long nose. I have beautiful photographs of them where they're... they're they're just all of them dangling from a tree, and and, and below are all the tails shooting straight up. So tails up, tails down, and to see those, and they're not uncommon. You just have to go. That's the secret to seeing wallet, by the way. You just have to go. You don't don't have a don't have a mission. Maybe. Or if you're looking for a plant, that's one thing. If you want to see wildlife, you just gotta go. Um, but we saw some recently, and we were still in awe. I mean, we see them all the time, but we still were just blown away at counting them. One, two, oh, those are youngsters. Oh, those, oh, that must be a young, and you know, and the males aren't here yet. You know, the males only come in to breed, and that kind of thing. And seeing something like that up in a tree, down in the ground, um, happens. That's memorable. I, I've had incidents where you just, what was it? Just recently, we were out getting acorns, and... It wasn't anything special. You're just walking across a vast, warm slope, and then it just—it was very—it was—it felt so good, you know, to just walk across this slope and look for acorns on oak trees. This was just recent because Mexican blue oaks—it's their season. Oaks have different seasons depending on the species for their acorns, and I am, um, yeah, it was special. I think that was a, one of the nicest walks. We didn't really... Turkeys, we saw some turkeys. They introduced the, reintroduced the ghouls, the wild Mexican turkey, to the Chiricahuas, southeast Arizona, in the 90s. And I, we can't go into the hills without seeing turkeys. And they're like some beautiful dinosaur in these groups. But anyway, long story short, on this one day, just walking with your partner, your lover, and realizing uh, this is special. You know, we're so lucky. What Barry said that day was almost made me cry. That we're just so lucky to live here. You know, where we can get in our truck, park it, and spend a couple of hours walking across this slope. You know, it's just luck. It's I wonder, I was, sometimes you hear the word blessed or blessed, and I say, you know, that's luck. <laughs> maybe the definition of blessed should be lucky. You know, we're lucky. So maybe they're lucky. So you've been living there for over 30 years, right? 90, we bought the place in 95, 1995. Um, what sort of, have you seen changes over those 30 years? Like things that really stick out to you? Yeah, in that Sulphur Springs Valley, two things that come up. It's, it's groundwater, okay? And only thing, groundwater cost you, okay, where well, there's ranching and there were small farms when we moved out there. Chili's were still a big crop when we moved out there. And, and the, so this is a time of year in the, in the 90s when the red chilies littered the sides of the road because they were harvested. They looked like, oh, what's that chunk of red? And it was chilies. They were so, and not anymore. Chilies are not a big crop. Um, it's all you pay for that water is to pump it. And people came from all over to pump that water. And that water, which I discovered and learned, is you can date water. So you got water that's a couple thousand years old. <laughs> and it's just getting pumped up. And it's center pivots as far as you can see. 
a dairy has moved in out there and put up two huge, huge, they sunk their wells six, seven hundred feet deeper than a, our domestic well. And they're just pumping water. It's free except for the cost of pumping it. It's just free water. It's not running from the river. It's not from a lake. It's and the and the, there's a bizarre fact that Cochise County is one of the fastest sinking counties in Arizona because the, the the ground is sinking. There's no there's no water below to support the the structure. Um, okay, that and that was depressing. I apologize. Are you, are you, but one question, are you, is it a pot, something that you might run out of water at one yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, our domestic well, it's a possibility. We happen to live close enough to the mountains, and there below us are these, what they call geological dikes, where water gets, if there's snowfall in the Chiricahua's water pools beneath us, luckily. It was pure luck, it wasn't anything planned. You go a little further, five or six miles from our place, and the wells are going dry. Domestic wells, and who can afford 10, 20 grand when your dream was that house and that little property, your little mobile home on 20 acres? It was your dream. And then all of a sudden, I'm sorry, you, you, we, we can sink your wells a couple hundred feet deeper for $10,000. Well, that, that hurts to, and I feel that pain for people. I really do. And it could happen to us. So that, that pumping of water and that dairy is bought up thousands of acres and put in hundreds of wells deeper than any of us okay and then there was this funny thing when california the price of living in california way up then all of a sudden people just started moving out their vacant land near us there's vast there's a funny thing back in the 60s there was a company called horizon corporation real estate and they had all these planned communities sunset sunazona you know and, and there are these 40-acre parts, it was like buying, and people from New Jersey would buy them. Five acres, it was like buying something on the moon. And uh, so there were all these parcels near us, just west of us, parcels. And they even cut roads, and they got abandoned, they were just dirt roads. And people started buying up those little five-acre parcels and moving out there. No water, but it was like, all of a sudden, I had neighbors go over. <laughs> And they say, hey, partner, you new here? I said, no, I'm new here. <laughs> I live here. <laughs> they are getting indignant and very, uh, very, uh, what, territorial. You know, oh, geez. But the people are, they're running away. Someone told me, well, I can, I can buy this chunk of land for what my rent was in California. They can buy 10, 5, 10 acres and put some land together. And they're hauling water because they can't sink a well. So that's a big difference. The agriculture, that's the biggest, that's the biggest change here. And it goes all the way to the border. And they're trying to manage it. When they tried to put in an, an active manage area where I live, oh, people turned it down. Oh, we don't want the government, the state telling us how to manage our water. We just want to pump it all. <laughs> I, I laugh, and it's an ironic laugh. Um, it's sad, you know. Um, it was agriculture before, and I'd heard stories in the 60s that Texas ranchers had moved there and pumped. What happened to them is they couldn't afford financially to pump the water up when it got low. But now that's not a problem. There's, there's natural gas, and there's yeah, electrical lines to everything. So that's the big change, and it's a big change. And then the one last change that I totally forgot is, that, is, the, is the border wall. And we saw that. 
and I think I told you I was founded on how we just love the border community, and we love being in in, in Mexican American towns where people have beautiful voices. I love voices. I love people's tone and inflection. So I'm attracted to that. I love the, the southern accent of my youth. I, I just love that kind of thing. And I'm attracted to voices. And, and um, here are these communities and it's just this wall is just a, I mean you, I can't bring myself to go look at it more. You know, once you see it, it's like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> Sad, sad thing. So that, did they build part of the wall kind of close to where you are? Well, it's just we, if we go to Douglas, or like if I want to go to Douglas and take, there's a beautiful dirt road that goes uh, called the uh, Geronimo Trail that just goes over to the Pelencillos, a beautiful range that comes out of Mexico and goes across the border of New Mexico, Arizona. So you want to get to the Pelencillos, and, and, and some of the ranchers will let you in. You know, there'll be gates you can go into. But if you want to go into there, you, I mean, you're right there on the border. You're like, I mean, come on. It'd be like going out here and throwing a rock across the street. You know, it, it's dreadful. I mean, that was, and I think I was telling you, when I moved there, I had a friend who had a ranch. She bought a ranch on the other side of the San Bernardino. So she, in Mexico, well, we went down to look at it. We just jumped back and forth through the barbed wire fence to go in and out, in and out. It's like if you're looking at plants. Oh, wait, there's a plant on the other side of the board, but it's in Mexico. It's just cracking up. It's so sweet. I'm in Mexico. I'm going back and forth. And, uh, you know, and there was always the history, of course, workers came through. People expected them to come through. I don't know how it all went to hell. It became such a, a dreadful, angry, hateful thing. You know? Do you see any optimism or, like, you know, it seems in some, in a lot of ways, you know, that it's been going that route, right? Where, what, what you're just described, but do you see any, what is your, what would be your, you would say to, um, to set us off in a more hopeful direction? Yeah. Boy, it's so political. I don't even think I understand it. Um, and you can't fix that wall. I mean, you can't repair what. <laughs> the earth took several million years to fix. <laughs> and, you know, I used to, when I worked in horticulture, you do these contract grows. Or we're going to widen the highway up Mount Lemon, and I grew 10,000 plants to go there. When they widened the Mount Lemon Highway, I grew 10,000 plants. I did. But you can't, those 10,000 plants didn't make that highway any better. You know, you can't fix that. You go, I'm sorry, you're building that highway. And you can't fix that. Well, I guess the only kid, I wish they would just tear it down. But. So, but it would take a lot of difference, the anger and hatred. You just can't tear it down. Well, I mean, they should open it up for no other reason to wildlife. I don't know. I'm not optimistic. I'm not optimistic. And yet when I, I'm not. I don't go into Mexico. Or we used to when we were first together. We'd go places, you know, San Carlos, all the things that, folks do, or, or just go into the border. And I never was afraid of all that. I just relished it. <laughs> it's, just, it's that same thing. How lucky am I? I'm in another country. <laughs> this is cool. And the culture of Tucson is so based on it, and they tried to get rid of it, too. It's like, oh, this is, wait a second, this is what, this is, oh, a friend of mine in, in uh, 
when there was that whole Make America Great thing going on, he had a wonderful fellow in the Douglas says had a bumper sticker that said make make uh, America Mexico again. It's yeah. <laughs> like yeah, right on. You know, I said I, I tracked him down at our favorite grocery said, I love that bumper sticker. <laughs> but so no, I okay. The answer is I'm not optimistic. Yeah, I'm not optimistic. Um, I don't see I can fix it. I don't see anything fix it. I think the, the people are running from things. That it, we're, it, I mean, immigrants, how can you not talk about immigrants? And they're running from dreadful things. I mean, you could people forget, put yourself in their shoes. You wouldn't run. And uh, and and to me, too, that, that's worrisome. I mean, what are we doing with all these people? We, I don't know. There's just so much to fix. So... Um, you know, okay, I, I, I'm going to just tell you straight up, I'm hiding. <laughs> I'm hiding from the truth. I'm just growing plants or walking with my wife and dog. And hiding from the truth. And just, uh, it's just depressing. <laughs> I do want to say, though, um, maybe, yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. Um, but what you, off, what you offer... Uh, growing native, what I want to hear you on the radio, um, is a vision or a description of the borderlands um, that you don't get. Right now, when we hear about the borderlands, it's often described in pretty reductive ways. You know, it's this, it's that. Yeah. But when I hear you talk, I hear you talking about its beauty, its diversity, its like all the magic. Yeah. Um, well, that's right. And I don't want to get on. I, I, and I don't want... I mean, what I just told you was, was in the my heart of hearts of how sad... It, maybe it's a sadness. Maybe it's a sadness that... I think that's better description of how I feel. A sadness for the border, uh, for immigrants. And how can you not? Where's your heart? Um, so, yeah, but people... You know, I sometimes, uh, I said to myself, I don't want to get on the, have a radio show where I'm pounding on people or, or angry. I want to laugh. I want people to, and I want people to see the beauty. And I can say I'm sad, but I, I don't want to, I want to make it, I don't know if it was done purposeful, but I want to be upbeat. I want to be, I don't want to be blind, but, but I want people to. I don't want it to be something a bummer. <laughs> Turn off Petey Mesquite. That guy's a bummer. <laughs> well, I'm sure there are people who do that anyway. But, but you know, so maybe what best describe what I was trying to tell you that, that I was so, it's just a, a sadness in it. And it really manifested during the pandemic when you're <laughs> isolating. And, and it just has exacerbated this sadness of being and there was no good news, you know, and the political situation to me was dreadful. And, uh, and I almost have, and i got to tell you, okay, when I write my show, and if I, I'll crumple up paper and say, <laughs> no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I've got to keep it positive about plants and animals. And yet, and I might say my sadness, usually it's personal about something that happened, or a dog, a cat, a friend. But I don't know if I can touch any 
what happens in the borderlands human-wise. I don't think I can do it. So I try to keep it not upbeat, but positive. I think that's it. Yeah, which, which I guess would bring me to maybe the final question I have for you. And that's, now you live in the borderlands, right? You, and you, and you do keep it upbeat and you do just have these just wonderful descriptions, beautiful descriptions of what it looks like. And, and what, like, if you could just pick one or two things that you think people, say in Kentucky or in wherever, is other parts of the United States, um, what if you could tell them one or two things about the borderlands that you think they really should know, yeah. what would they be? I think they should know about the diversity. Like, if you're from Ohio, I used to tell people, uh, I used to have a rant when I got into the native plant, thing. I, you know, grow native or move back to Ohio. Um, I think the diversity, um, the vastness of the country, and it's so accessible. You can drive for hours. I think uh, if you're from Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee, or, or, or New York State, uh, a diversity. It's not, uh, I don't know where all this thing came up. Uh, oh, and the cultural diversity. Oh, for God's sake, people. <laughs> and, and, and to me, you know, people that... Uh, Love Tucson. They have favorite Mexican restaurants. Hello, that's cultural diversity. You know, that's that's magical to a gringo to go in and be able to say uh, your food. I want a chimichanga. I want a ta- I want tacos. You know, it's just magical. We live in a little another country in a lot of ways. <laughs> I think there was really something to us succeeding from the nation. You know, Baja Arizona because uh, we're we're a really beautiful. So okay, move here. We're friendly. I figured that out real quick. People, men and women, hug each other in the Southwest, okay? We're not afraid to grasp each other and hug. We're diverse. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's diverse in flora. It's diverse in fauna. It's worth a trip. (laughs) But don't stay. That's the great joke, right? Don't stay. (laughs) And that's mean. Because we all moved here, or I did, I did, and uh, so it's mean for me to tell. But yeah, you I mean there, there's room? Just come and love it, you know, come and love it. Um, I was going to tell you, um, I write these songs for my uh, radio shows. You know, I did a, a, I write a little songs in poetry, and I wrote a song. Uh, the refrain: I, I have this dream. I was drinking beer with bighorn sheep in the Galliero Mountains, and I told the story of drinking with the sheep and singing about this place, and I thought, I'm Petey Mesquite, and I'm glad that I'm here. I love the deserts and the mountains so near. Give me wide open spaces and water so clear. I'm Petey Mesquite, and I'm glad that I'm here. You know, I thought that little refrain was really, was me, you know. Thank you, Petey Mesquite. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Border Chronicle podcast. The Border Chronicle is reported by Todd Miller and Melissa Del Bosque, based in Tucson, Arizona. This episode was edited by me, Steve Heiss. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us on your favorite podcast platform. It will help other people find the show. You can read and listen to more local border journalism on our website, 
thebordercronicle.com.